Welcome, everybody, to the Kona Shane Veterinary Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Andy Rourke. Guys, I am here with my friend, Dr. Beth Bennett, today. She is the Chief Veterinary Officer for the AAVSB. Those are the Vet State Boards. And we talk all about license defense and what happens when there's a complaint against your license, whether you are a veterinarian or a credential technician. And she runs through it, and uh, she makes it less scary, which is good. That was actually what I what I wanted. I think there's a lot of uh, unknowns around what it means to have a complaint against your license. And I thought, you know, I'm, when I met her, I said, she tell me what really happens because I, I, I'm not sure I really understand and get it. And anyway, she just, uh, she just walks, she walks us through the process, what you can expect, what you should know. And most importantly, how to make sure you don't have complaints against your license. It sounds like uh, some pretty simple advice that uh, that was just really reassuring and good to hear. So anyway, guys, she's lovely. Uh, I pitched to her my Google review system where uh, if people haven't been to my practice, they shouldn't with their their complaints should not be allowed. Uh, kind of like if you if you haven't made a purchase, then Google won't let you write a review. I, I think we should do that for vet state boards, uh, but that it does not go anywhere. She does not agree, and uh, and she tells me why. And so anyway, it's it's a good it's a good episode. I hope you guys will enjoy it. It's it's comfort food. All right, let's get into this episode. This is your show. We're glad you're here. We wanna help you in your veterinary career. Welcome to the Cone of Shame with Dr. Andy Rourke. Welcome to the podcast, uh, Dr. Beth Bennett. Thanks for being here. Hi, thanks for having me, Andy. It is my pleasure to have you. Uh, you and I met in Orlando uh, this year at one of the little functions, the muckety muck things, <laughs> and I got to talk with you. And it was wonderful. You were you were such a wonderful, like sunshiny spot. Uh, it is a great event, but it was really, really wonderful just to, to bump into you and meet you. And uh, you and I were having this, that that thing where we were talking, and I said, "Oh, that's what you do." And you said, "Yes." And I was like, "I have many questions." And and you said, well, "Ask me anything." And I thought, "This this is great." I said, "I know exactly some things I want to ask you, and I think it'd be a great podcast." So for those people who don't know you. Uh, you are the chief veterinary officer with the AAVSB, which mm-hmm. is the American Association of Veterinary State Boards. Why don't you talk a little bit? Oh, and you're also a veterinarian and you're a Penn graduate. Um, so why don't you talk a little bit about what the AAVSB just does at a high level uh, in the U.S. and Canada and kind of how it how it comes into the lives of unfortunate veterinarians <laughs> maybe not unfortunate veterinarians I, for me it's 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 a scary thing if you called me i'd be like oh no um tell tell, tell me about the avism so um andy you know i'd love to at the end of this i'd love to have you not fear the process so much and actually perhaps have a okay. little bit of appreciation for the state boards and might you know i don't know dare i say love them uh, I, I i appreciate the state i do i believe that they're run by good people yeah who are doing an important service. I just don't want to hear from them at all, ever. <laughs> that's true. Uh, that's that's true. That's true. Well, so the A. So let me tell you about uh, AAVSB first. Um, the AAVSB is a 501c3 nonprofit, uh, and we are the bridge between our member jurisdictions in the United States and Canada and the licensees uh, to strengthen the regulatory process. We create programs that make licensure process more efficient and user-friendly with the ultimate goal of public protection. So we work with our member jurisdictions 
to provide them expertise and data management solutions. And we work with licensees to help them uh, give them tools to maintain compliance and manage the requirements of being a licensee. Uh, and this applies to both veterinarians and veterinary technicians. And we also work with students. Uh, we like to educate them on licensure and the regulatory process because, you know, it's so confusing as a student on what to expect after graduation. Um, so we like to give them ideas about how AAVSB can help them through the life of their license. Okay. That's, uh, that's a lot. That's, that sounds, so that sounds like a call it corporate speak. I uh, like, it tell is. me, <laughs> tell me, okay, tell me just you and me, uh, like I'm, like I'm nine years old. Like, tell okay. me, I'm a nine year old veterinarian. Tell me what the AVSB does. Like, just, just in the most simplistic terms, like efficiency of licensing and things. I'm like, okay, what is that? What does that we mean? We make it. We make it. Well, first of all, congratulations on being a nine-year-old veterinarian. Thanks. I am very <laughs> precocious. Uh, Doogie Hauser. So uh, we we make it easy to uh, manage the requirements. Um, just, you know, we, we simplify the process. We make it easier to manage the requirements for both licensure and regulation so that everybody can forget about those requirements and then do their jobs. Gotcha. Good. That's what I like to hear. All right, great. Cool. <laughs> Uh, when we when we started when we started talking, you know, I I was I was asking you about what it means to get uh, to have a, a, a complaint filed against your license yeah. with the vet state board. And so, you know, I've seen this a number of times in my career. Um, to me, it's still kind of this black box process where um, you get you get a letter um, possibly delivered by a raven. Uh, it, it has it has black smoke when uh -huh. you open the envelope uh -huh. Uh -huh. that comes out. Uh -huh. And it says you have been summoned to defend yourself. Yeah, and uh, which is not what it says, but that's what I imagine it saying. And, and on on the on the day of the event, a carriage drawn by large black stallions pulls mm -hmm. up outside your hospital. Yeah, you have to get into it, and then you go. Uh, and 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 hooded figures weigh judgment upon you, and whether or not you get to continue to pro practice the profession you love, or whether you are exiled from the community to to live in the wilderness by yourself and forage for food and those are those are the those are that's kind of how the process is in my mind if and it, so if you would like if it's different from that we can just sort of start there and sort of start to unpack what the process how it is actually different from that and what i might actually expect yeah and actually andy you have it pretty pretty correct except you forgot <laughs> to mention the red burning eyes the red burning uh, eyes, yeah, yeah. yeah. I and blocked this, and, this out. You know, and the letter kind of explodes when you open it. So I, you know, I think the process is is scary. I'm gonna admit it. I, as a practitioner, I was scared about the process. Um, every day, I was scared um, that something that I would do would get me in front of the board. Um, <laughs> but I'm here to alleviate some concerns. It is a scary process, but it is not everything. It's not as bad as you think it is. So right. the board follows something called due process, just like we do in our court system. And what the due process is, is meant to look at the complaint as a whole and see if there is actually a violation. Okay. So the very first step, and everything I'm going to say here um, has a caveat of in most cases. So sure. we, we have, um, in the United States, we have 52 different jurisdictions. And as you can imagine, there's 52 different ways of doing things, slightly different. 
So this is a generality. Sure. Um, in most cases, so a complaint comes in from a member of the public, a coworker, concerned citizen, whatever. Um, it is the board's job for public protection to review every single complaint. So they have to look at every single complaint that comes in and determine, is this jurisdictional? Is this within our jurisdiction? Or is this non-jurisdictional? And okay. non-jurisdictionals are the things that we hate when they get in front of the board. So that includes things like complaints about fees, complaints about wait times, complaints about bedside manner, um, your business practices, debt collection. All of those are non-jurisdictional. And what that means is with none of those complaints, was there actually a violation of a rule or regulation? Okay. So those are immediately dismissed in most cases. Okay. So when you say immediately dismissed, uh, is that like like the veterinarian doesn't hear that they have happened? Or is that like we still go through the process and when we get to that point of, hey, Dr. Work, today's the day. And then we look at it and go, oh, yeah, this is not people thought that your, you know, that your T-shirt uh, was too tight and yeah. uh, was inappropriate. And that yeah. that's why you're here. And that's so a we great throw question. That that's okay. a great question. So in most cases, most cases, um, the veterinarian doesn't know about those complaints. Okay. The horses have not been hitched up. The raven has not been summoned. Okay. Okay. So Good. in most cases, but the board still has to review them. Sure. So if they look at a complaint and they determine that there is jurisdiction, so there is the potential um, for a violation, or at least it falls within the re rules or regulations of that jurisdiction. Then they look at the actual complaint and they review okay. the complaint and they say, um, they may say, oh, there hasn't been a violation here. It's dismissed. Okay. Gotcha. They may look at the complaint and say, you know what? We can't tell from the complaint if there's actually been a violation. So then what they'll do is they'll gather more inf information. They'll assign an investigator from the state board um, and they'll you know, research the complaint. And that includes looking at the medical records, um, looking at a statement from the licensee, uh, you know, looking at a statement from the complaint, uh, complainted if that was uh, available. Um, so they'll, they'll look at all of that information. From there, and usually at this point, the licensee knows that there's a complaint because yeah, they're I would, I would imagine when statement. they start looking at medical records, right. like you're going to know they, something's they up. Tip your hand, yeah. Um, so from there, uh, there may be a potential for something called a consent order. And what a consent order is, is an agreement between the investigating member of the board and the licensee. And the, the consent order usually is, hey, I realized that I was deficient in my medical record keeping. Um, I agree to a fine and this education, um, you know, the X number of CE hours to help me improve my medical record keeping. Or, hey, you're right, I did not keep up to date with my CE. Um, I'm going to pay fine and keep and, you know, have to make up the CE and do extra CE on top of it. So consent order is basically, um, usually it's a one-time offense. Uh, it's a minor offense. And you work with the member of the board um, and the licensee to present this option to the rest of the board. 
and they have the the decision to accept or reject it. Okay. Now, if in the information gathering process, uh, they determine that there is a major violation, or if the board rejects the consent order, then we'll go into a hearing. And that's okay. the nightmare situation that we all worry about and um, we fear. And this is um, where, you know, the licensee is called in front of the board. There might be a judge involved. Um, there are lawyers involved. There might be a subject matter expert. So they will um, have the hearing like law and order. It's a hearing. It's probably less dramatic with less dramatic music. And there will be a decision based on all of that. Again, was there a violation or was there not a violation? And then from that violation, they'll determine what the proper course of action is. So it could be still education and paying a fee or a fine. Um, in, and in very rare cases, uh, there's a suspension of license or the license is revoked. So things that may get you a violation for the board, because I talked about the things that are non-jurisdictional. So let's talk about things that may uh, be a violation of the board's rules or regs. Okay. Would include things like um, negligence, substandard care, malpractice, unprofessional conduct, illegal activity, drug diversion. Like all of those are actively bad things. Like really obviously bad things. Obviously yeah. bad things, but it also can include um, controlled drug errors. So if you don't know if you're, you know, doing something wonky with your DEA license and or another person's CE license, so you, you're not aware that you're doing something wrong, um, or you just don't know how to do it correctly, or you don't know how to store your controlled drugs correctly. Um, so, so that's a violation. CE deficiencies are a violation, and medical record keeping is a violation. Um, also in some jurisdictions, impairment, so um, chemical uh, impairment uh, could be a violation as well. If you uh, dream of doing team training with your team, getting your people together, getting them on the same page, talking about uh, how you guys work together in your practice, I'd love to help you. You can check out drandywork.com and check out the store. I have two different team training courses. These are courses for teams to do together to get on the same page and to talk about how you do, thing, uh, do things. I have my uh, Angry Clients course and I have my Exam Room Toolkit course and uh, they are both available and there to come out. All right, guys, let's get back into this episode. So a couple of quick questions. Um, sure. So what, so what, what percentage, uh, I know this is probably, this probably differs wildly between states, but, but what percentage of complaints actually end up going to a hearing? Are we talking about 10%? Are we talking about 50%? Are we talking about 1%? Kind of, kind of how many, how many, what percentage of complaints? If I get a thing that says, Hey, there's, you know, there's been a complaint, uh, we're, we're going to investigate. Um, what's the probability that that's going to end up in a hearing, in a hearing? Just, just kind of big, yeah. big picture. It's a low percent. I can't say exact percents because it varies by the year and by the jurisdiction. So, but it is a low percent. And part of that is because the public doesn't understand due process. They don't. So a lot yeah. of the complaints, the large portion of them are non-jurisdictional. So you yeah. have to think about that whole process. But it is a very small number that actually make Wait. it all the way through. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's funny about the the public not understanding due process. When you and I met, I I asked <laughs> you, I had my own idea, and I was like, you know how 
if you write a one-star review on Google, but you haven't actually been a customer of the business, Google will just remove that review yeah. because because it stops people from showing up on the internet and bashing yeah. you. I was like, I think the state board should have that policy, <laughs> which means if you're not a, if you have not actually been to the clinic, you are not allowed to file a board complaint. And you did not agree with that and told <laughs> me that that was not how it was done. Can you can you touch on that on the reason why that's the case? Well, uh, it's. It's part of the process. So it's not necessarily I I don't know if that's exactly what I would say now. It's it's part of the due process for the board to investigate whether or not this complaint is reasonable or not. Gotcha. Um, so, you know, if a complaint is anonymous, they have no way of verifying if the person complaining ever had experience. Right. Gotcha. Um, but there is. But I do want to emphasize there is due process. So um in uh, complete opposition to Google or Yelp reviews or Yahoo, whatever, um, there is somebody and a multiple number of people who are reviewing the complaint for, you know, is this worthwhile? Does this make sense? And personally for me, as a if I was a veterinarian, I would much prefer a complaint to go to the state board than to have it end up on social media or Google or Yelp. Uh. That's because, interesting. Yeah, I, have to, I have to process that a little bit. I can I see where you're coming from because it will be handled. You know, you'll get a you'll get a fair hearing, which is not the case. It's on the, you know on the social medias. Yeah, I I see that. And you know the problem with social media is that everything kind of snowballs and goes downhill, and it never ends. Right? If it's on Facebook, if it's on um, Twitter or TikTok or whatever the kids use these say, it, it never ends. But the process with the board, once you get to the decision, it's over. So, yeah. and and if they find there's no violation, then there's no public record. So if you are, you know, if, if there's no violation done, then nobody knows that yeah. anything happened, right? Okay. That makes sense to me. Talk, talk to me a little bit about the similarities and differences between the states. So you said, you know, there's there's 52. <laughs> you pull the face. Um, the, uh, there's, there's 52 different ways to do things. I guess what I'm looking for here is just like, are there areas that are wildly different? I guess I'm just this is my own curiosity. Oh, is, are there certain things that you go? Well, this is an issue on which states seem to vary widely, I guess. In my mind, the most, the more mundane things, there's probably, you know, some people say it takes two weeks and some people say it says makes six weeks or, you know, kind of basic things like that. But I'm just curious if there are, if there are topics or areas where you say some states are very aggressive in this way and some states are, are not so much. I'm just interested in what those topics or those areas of divergence would be. The areas of divergence are endless. Um, okay. So <laughs> the thing that is similar is public protection. The way that they go about that is different from every jurisdiction. Um, the due, the process of you know due process is similar between one jurisdiction and another, um, but there's going to be minor differences. The makeup of the board and how you know that office operates varies from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. Sometimes in some of the larger states, they have staff members and staff members and staff members. And in other jurisdictions where it's smaller, it might just be the executive director or the ED. Um, there's usually the ED. There's usually some sort of legal representative. Um, it could be um, someone who is directly on that staff, or it could be the 
you know, the the um, the attorney general or the assistant attorney general. And there's um, always board members. And the board members are veterinarians and veterinary technicians if they if they license veterinary technicians. And then there's always the public member, a member of the public who's just Joe Schmo says, I want to be on the vet board mm-hmm. and they get um, appointed. Like, yeah, so, I have Thursdays free. I'll be on yeah. the board. Yeah, I get well, it. You sh- you could be on the board, Andy. Um, <laughs> so it's a volunteer position, um, and most boards are they love their veterinarians because you provide right. subject matter expertise, um, and you help with this complaint process. So if this is something that keeps you awake at night, you could volunteer. <laughs> I could be on the board. Well, you know, it's good. It's always good to know what my options are. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. I like it. Um. So th- no, that 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 totally makes sense, and that does that does make it a bit less scary. Um, I I like that. What what are the sort of general suspension and revocation of licenses? Mm-hmm. When we talked about it, you were saying it's really rare to it get rare. to this this point. Um, so can you can you can you color in the lines a little bit of like what per se? Oh, actually, I guess uh, how about this? Let let's let's start to look together at kind of what how, how cases kind of break down. That generally show up for the AVSB. So, can if you had to put them into categories, just big categories of what what shows up, where complaints come from, could you do a pie graph for me? It's kind of like this this type of complaint tends to be about you know thirty percent. I'm not asking you. I know you don't have numbers in front of you or anything like yeah. that. And I know they'd be sloppy categories, but are there big categories that come in and kind of how does that break down? And then of those categories, uh, where do we see suspensions, revocations, things like that? Yeah. Again, revocations extremely rare um sus- i think a, a board is more likely to suspend and try to remediate than to oh. revoke okay um the biggest category is communication failures in communication and medical record keeping Hi. so that is something because everything else is kind of active wrongdoing right you're selling drugs you're um you're performing malpractice, you're doing um, illegal activities through your veterinary office. Right. So the very most common thing is um, failures in communication and medical record keeping. And if you think about it from why does this happen, if you think about it, who would be submitting the complaint? It's a member of the public. So what does the public care about? They care about communication. Um, so if for anybody listening, if you're saying, how can I avoid a complaint to the board, I would give you a couple different answers. Um, and this will help with the majority of cases. First of all, don't do anything illegal. Yep. Good good starting um, point. Good starting point. General rule of thumb for life. Don't do anything illegal. Um, so putting on my AAVSB hat, I would say um, practice. Uh, first of all, very first thing you should do if you don't want to have a complaint against you for the board, know your jurisdiction's practice act. Know your jurisdiction's regulations because they vary, especially if you're new to that state or that jurisdiction. Read the regulations. Um, I know it is not the most thrilling uh, information you can get out there. It's not a Tom Clancy novel, but you should read them and understand them. Okay. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is stay up to date on your CE. CE, CE violations are uh, failure to complete your CE is so common, and it is something that you can do very easily. Um, and then the third important thing would be your medical record keeping and mm-hmm. then your controlled drugs. So handle those correctly. 
All right. Now, if I took off my AAVSB hat and put on my Beth hat, um, I would tell you the key is good communication with your client and compassion towards your client. Gotcha. Um, and those are the those are two things that are going to keep the client and you as a partner and not as them wanting to file a complaint against you. Gotcha. That no, that totally makes sense. I, I'll be honest here and say I probably read the state regulations for South Carolina when I applied to get mm-hmm. licensed in the state of South Carolina ten plus years ago. Yeah. Um is is there is there a uh is there a a, a portal where it's like here's all the here's all of the state regulations or is it just a go through your licensing uh um you know, body where you say this is where I, I have to keep up my CE. So in in uh, in South Carolina, it's like that LLRC, some of the, mm-hmm. you know, um, body and 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 all that sort. Of, I know all the regulatory stuff is there. Is, is yeah. there is there a, another place to go and find those things, or uh, do you just individually seek it out in your state? And then when we say you know read the regulations, like what exactly what exactly should I hunt down to be the most efficient? Where I go, okay, I got what I need to get. Well, I don't know about efficiency because I'm still learning that myself, but I can tell you um, if you go to our website, aavsb.org, we have a link to all of the jurisdictions. And from there, you can find your um, practice acts and your regulations. So that's an easy way. But I will tell you also, um, as public agencies, everything is public knowledge. So you should be able to go to your board's website and you should be able to access the regulations, the Practice Act, um, any guidance documents. All of that would be on the website and it is public knowledge. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Sweet. I will link that in the show notes so uh, everybody yeah. can find it for sure. Um, but yeah, that that totally makes sense. Um, all right. This sounds this sounds very doable. I'm gonna <laughs> need uh, I'm gonna need to, to draw this podcast to a close so I can go check my CE hours and uh, make sure. <laughs> I think the licensing period is closing up here uh, before long. And I'm like, I'm, I know I'm good, but now I feel compelled to go and look one more time <laughs> just to make sure that I'm still good. So I'm going to, I am going to do that. Um, it's good to hear that, um, that suspension and revocation is, is rare. I just, I like to hear that. Uh, I, is there a ceremony for that? Like I imagine in the old war movies <laughs> when like the soldiers would have the stripes ripped off their shoulder, is mm-hmm. there something like that? Or do you just get a, a, another raven delivered letter uh no yeah, ceremony I, I wish i could tell you andy i don't know <laughs> I, okay well it's probably a secret ceremony i suspect that's probably held be. at midnight and that's why you're not there um so <laughs> anyway, i'm gonna still hold on to that that it's a it's a secret ceremony at midnight and that's why beth hasn't been invited and um and anyway so let's let's hope that we never find out if that's true or not guys thanks so much for being here uh dr beth dennett Thank you so much for your time and expertise. Are there any final resources, uh, links, words of wisdom, anything that you want to put out uh, for people before you go? Yeah, happy to. So if you go to our website, aavsb.org, like I said, you can see the board links uh, to the uh, websites and the statutes. Um, But then you can also check out some of our programs that we have for licensees. So uh, we have our Reshack program so you can track your CE and stay in compliance. Mm-hmm. Um, we have our Vault program and Vault Premium, which is the secret weapon for anyone who wants to transfer from one jurisdiction to another. If you're moving, definitely check it out. Um, and then we also have links for our VTE program uh, or tests to um, for technicians who want to become credentialed. 
And then we have a PAVE Vets and PAVE um, Veterinary Technician Program for foreign trained um, veterinarians and veterinary technicians who want to work in the United States. So you could check those out as well. That's fantastic. Thanks again for being here. Yeah. All right, everybody. Take care of yourselves. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Thanks, Andy. And that is our show. That's what I got. Uh, guys, I put some links to the AVSB.org down in the show notes. Um, thanks a lot for being here. Thanks for uh, for for Beth coming in and uh, and talking with me. She's she's amazing. But guys, uh, take care of yourselves. Right. Write up your records. Do your CE. Uh, communicate with your clients. Those those are the, those are my takeaways. Uh, and that's that's I'm gonna I'm gonna go check and make sure I have all my CE done for this year. All right, take care, everybody. I'll see you later. <laughs>